Hello everybody and welcome to the 73rd episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Corporal Hicks aka Aaron Percival and joining me is a surprising voice for what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about a book <laughs> and somehow Ridgetop managed to actually read a book. Welcome Ridgetop. <laughs> well thanks for that. Hello again everyone. And of course because it is a book it means I've had to call in a specialist to um, you know Make sure we're up at full strength. It's some kind of consultant. Apparently, I read a Predator book once. It's um, Who the Fuck, a.k.a. Xenopedia's Lee Byrne. So it's two in a row. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming That's on right. again. Thank you for describing me as a specialist rather than backup. <laughs> hey, I said we were a specialist team last time. <laughs> you you said that you were backup. Uh, anyway, so if we haven't already made it obvious, we are talking another book, and given the timings, we are talking the Predator prequel novel, aka The Predator Hunters and Hunted. If you haven't already, I've got a review up on the website of my thoughts on the book. We've also done a short interview with its author, James A. Moore, who we've had on a few times actually, because he's previously written Aliens, Alien, sorry, Sea of Sorrows. And a short story in Aliens Bug Hunt, which is called Distressed. So those are available on the website to go and read slash listen to. This will be a spoiler episode. So if you haven't already and you don't want to be spoiled, go out, buy the book, come back, read it, and then listen. Otherwise, just crack on and enjoy conversation. So to start off, we're just going to read the synopsis. And then I shall succinctly tell you um, my overall impressions of the book. And then I'll hand it over to our two other voices to uh, tell us what they think. So here is the synopsis. For centuries, Earth has been visited by warlike creatures that stalk mankind's finest warriors. Their goals unknown, these deadly hunters kill their prey and depart as invisibly as they arrived, leaving no trace other than a trail of bodies. When Roger Elliott faced such a creature during the Vietnam War, he didn't expect to survive, nor did he expect that decades later he would train the Reavers, who are actually renamed as the Reapers in the book, a clandestine strike force attached to Project Stargazer. Their mission? To capture one of the creatures, disproving its existence, disassemble its tech, and balancing the odds between the hunters and hunted. So yeah, that pretty much sums up the uh, general gist of the book quite well. And I like the book. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's a solid 7 out of 10 for me. I think it really sets up a lot of the world building elements for what we know of the Predator. Obviously, we haven't seen the films yet, but from what we know of it, there's a lot in there that I can sort of see where it's leading into the film. The Reapers, the characters, I enjoyed pretty much all of those guys, particularly Hyde, and I really enjoyed learning about some of the film's characters. Obviously, because of the nature of the film, and it's a lot of their first time in there, you've only got a few characters who were already established and that was Traeger, Keys and Woodhurst who is probably not actually in the film anymore as that as that was uh, Edward James Olmos's character but I enjoyed learning about those and the Predator itself was a badass so that made his stuff fun to read so in short I enjoyed it I do have some issues with it which I'm sure we'll get into later on but I'll hand it off to you guys. So, um, Richtop, what did you think? I, I, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I leaned positive about the book. It was an uh, entertaining read. And yeah, like you said, I haven't been reading these novels as, as often 
as I was as I would like. And I've been reading. I read a lot of sci-fi novels back in the day. These days, it's mostly been things for school, news, and and just reading a book. You know, short span from cover to cover. It was like, wow, I really need to do this more often because because there's some really good writing these days that that Titan is putting out and. I've I've missed some, so it's cool to to get back in the swing of it. Uh, this novel, I thought I had I had not read James Moore's work before, and his writing style was interesting. It was kind of third person, but he would still switch perspectives in third person. Like there would be times where you were obviously he was talking from the predator's perspective and referring to humans and and elements of Earth as the predator would refer to them. Um, so kind of jump back and forth with with perspectives while still remaining in third person, which is interesting. As far as the story goes, I I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed. I thought the Reapers were really cool and and how they talked about how they all worked together and the different personalities of the guys. That that was interesting. As far as the major plot points, there seemed a lot of similarities with what we know we'll be seeing in the new film, which I thought. When when this is mentioned to be a prequel of the film and and they capture a predator, I thought since we see the predator captured in the trailers, that this was that predator, that this was how that predator was captured. Uh, but this was a different predator that was captured on the same base that we see in the trailers and manages to escape uh, with human help, which was a little odd because they never fully explained the the logic behind that. I mean, it's kind of alluded to, but it's still that didn't make too much sense for me. But uh, I mean, the book was well written and held my interest and it was entertaining. I think I'd probably give it the same score, Aaron. I'd probably give it a solid seven out of ten. Yeah, the the cloaking was an issue, as you mentioned in mm-hmm. in your review on the site. Um, because we've seen from Predator 2 that just a, a puddle can cause the Predator's cloaking system to malfunction. And, and the whole end climax scene is in like heavy pouring rain and the Predator's cloak the entire time. So that was a bit of a, okay, you know, that's strange. That was really my big sort of wind up from the book. The the thing that really just sort of like... Uh... Yeah, it's just one of those big fan moments where it's like, you know, there's established rules to, to this universe and and yes sometimes the rules can be bended and sometimes they can be broken but it's when it's just like not explained and it's just like they're forgotten it can be frustrating well i think it'd be unfair to say it was forgotten because it was one of the things i specifically asked james about in the interview and his thinking was that it it makes sense His, his thinking was was purely you know these guys are advanced creatures it's been 20 years whatever since since the first one surely they could have have advanced their technology to the point where it it doesn't bother it anymore and i can understand that i just i don't agree with it i think it's a fundamental yeah. sort of part of um of the predator and, and his tech and that the water gives him away yeah it's it's kind of a achilles heel that he needs to have which um <clears throat> the predator was brutal in this book i mean fuck like there was some scenes that were just super violent super grisly and it just seemed like these guys who had trained for so long to take this thing down, even though they had never seen one, the first time they encounter one, they lose half their men. And the second time, the battle is just a super long battle in which only half of the half of them survive. And they're both in medically induced coma to keep them alive because their injuries were so severe. Like, 
So that that was one thing I saw you really liked in your review, Aaron, was just the the brutal nature and how it was described in this book. Uh-huh. And um, some of the scenes, like particularly at the end, this guy he throws these these flashbangs at the predator, and like it disorients the predator and he falls, and then he throws two more, but uh, right before the third one, his his hand gets cut off. And the flashbang falls right in front of him. He doesn't have time to cover his ears, and he's wearing night vision. And so he's completely, like, and it describes it in detail, like, just totally sensory overload, can't see, can't hear. And then the predator just puts his hand on his face and slowly crushes his skull. And this is all, like, just described super gruesomely. And I was like, damn, that's that's poor guy, you know, that's brutal. But um, so there there's moments like that in this book that are just, like, vividly brutal you know so i know i'm kind of rambling here but yeah i i enjoyed the book well written issues with the story and some of the lore elements and the fact that it looks like we're going to get a couple retreads of this in the um and i'm sure we'll get to that too but those are my my thoughts okay lee how are you feeling uh well ridge is pretty much mentioned everything that i was gonna mention (laughs) uh but no I, i agree um I thought it was okay. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a little by the numbers, and I definitely took issue with a lot of the things that Ridge has just mentioned taking issue with. Uh, but it was a good book. And, yeah, I, The Predator was really hardcore. And the entire final battle in the fairground, which was quite a lengthy sequence, was uh, that was really good. I really enjoyed I enjoyed that. And it, uh, it sort of balanced out a lot of the things that I didn't like so much about the book. Okay. Is a lot more brief than me there. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be a brief summary. Yeah, sorry, it got carried away. Where shall we start then? Um, how about the Reapers? Let's let's talk the Reapers because that is pretty much what the 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 main chunk of the uh, book revolves around. So these guys are a specialized unit that are attached to Project Stargazer, and their job is to hunt and capture a predator the book opens with them taking down like a um a drug cartel installation because i guess this unit is on loan to the cia and they to keep the project stargazer program afloat they do operations for you know other entities which they've got to you know got to pay the bills while they're waiting for the predators to show up and keep their um keep their skills sharp as well so that was something that seemed pretty realistic to me actually and it was a, a nice enough way to introduce introduce the characters but what what did we think of the reapers then what did we think of the individual characters and the concept behind the team lee start us off before ridgetop can say everything <laughs> yeah uh, i quite liked them the when they're introduced i remember each of them gets a, a decent section you know sort of talking about specifically them i don't remember them getting I don't remember it being talked about particularly what they did before, except for I think Hill was mentioned to be an ex-Navy SEAL, but I don't recall them saying what the others did before. But it's it's evident that they're all elite, you know, ex-special forces. The general gist, I think, was that they came from completely separate branches of the military and all just came together under under Elliot to be trained as as a Reaper. Yeah, yeah, they've obviously signed up for this gig and been made into a team but they they work well as a team um they were, there was it was quite interesting there was all the way through the book there was this sort of subplot about how the uh hill the second in command had ideals of taking over from tomlin who was sort of the leader of the squad and uh, the whole way through it was kind of this 
it was as if it was building up for some tension there. But then in the end, it didn't end up being a plot point at all, which I was a little surprised by, necessarily negatively. Well, he said from the start it was, um, you know, he, he was in, he, he wanted to take over, but he wasn't there to like stab Tomlin's back. He was, he was going to step in if, you know, Tomlin showed, you know, showed his neck and, and proved to be not worthy of the job. Which I think was, if anything, it just sort of reinforces that they did actually really trust, you know, really trusted Tomlin and he did a good enough job. Kind of stepped in at the end during the whole carnival fight where Tomlin was incapacitated for a moment and it specifically mentions that and he starts giving out the orders. Yeah, there was there was no malice in his, but it just the way that it kept being brought up routinely. And there were several sections where you just get inside Hill's head and he's thinking this over. I, I honestly thought that it was going to you know, become a major point later in the novel, and it never really did, which I don't necessarily think was bad, but it just it did surprise me. What about you, Ridgetop? Any any favourites or any uh, anything to say about the Reapers? Hyde was cool. Yeah, he was Hyde. just... <laughs> He was just like this guy. He's like, yeah, I just really enjoy killing, but I can't let these guys know because they'll think that's too fucked up. Like, <laughs> so that that was kind of interesting. But it was cool how they just they gave all these guys their own personalities, their own backstories. The guy who who trained them, Roger Elliot, who is also known as Pappy Elliot, I guess that was his nickname. He had encountered a predator in Vietnam. And there's certain points in the book where it, it gives the, the flashback story of how that went down. I don't think it quite went as far as I would have liked it to because I was getting in flashback story a bit, but it just kind of ended a little abruptly. I, well, I guess he said the predator just got away and he followed the blood trail and he took pictures of the spaceship while it was leaving. So I guess that did kind of conclude. I just wish they would have gotten into his his story a bit more. But as far as the the Reapers go, I thought, yeah, it was um, even when they were just back at at the base after their first mission that the book described it, you know, it talked about how they unwinded, how they interacted with each other. And so once they started dying, you know, it that was set up in such that it was like, damn, this is serious. You know, these guys who are trained this well are taken out that quick by the Predator. So, yeah, I thought I thought the Reapers were honestly probably the best part of the book as far as uh, human characters are concerned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for the most part, they are our, our heroes in, in the story. You know, even if my favorite character is a psychopathic bastard. But yeah, I, I loved Hyde. I thought it was brilliant. You know, him going up against the Predator with his um, the the dude has a thing for close combat and and blades and wet work as they call it. And you know, when he went up against the Predator with his blades and got in there, I mean, he he choked the thing out to start with, didn't he? When they actually captured it, pretty sure it was Hyde who got who got the um, you know the noose around its neck. Yeah, well, it had been hit with a couple of tranquilizers, but then yeah, he had he had choked it out after that. Yeah, the, the predator took a fucking beating before it, it it went down. Don't don't get us wrong there. But you know, I just thought Hyde was just that much of a badass. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed them all. Uh, the, you know, like you said, there's they all had pretty distinctive personalities. I liked the the communications guy who had the funky name uh, Aura Aura or something like that. Yeah. You know his his obsession with the sort of audio recordings they actually had of the predator. And trying to figure them out, you know, I liked that. Ultimately, you know, it didn't go anywhere because the guy gets killed. But yeah, like the first sort of deaths when they actually enc- encountered the predator, I was like, whoa, this is fucking. I mean, it's it's kind of different from you know uh, Arnie's unit and 
the police and everything being taken out by something that they don't know but these guys were specifically trained for this job and they had all the knowledge of, of Elliot and presumably um, Harrigan and Dutch and the uh, whichever other survivors that they want to acknowledge I mean yeah to see them all get ripped apart was was brutal and quite effective they do mention um, uh, Tomlin kind of has to battle with himself about the fact that more of them probably could have lived if they were just out to kill the predator rather than take him alive. But since they were directed to take him alive, more of their guys got taken out than probably would have initially. Do you think they could have done it? Yeah, well, that's what he's wrestling with himself about. And then um, Hill has to kind of, you know, jab at him for too much self-guilt over that. Yeah, but what do you think? I think, I mean, they it, they were all working together. So the second time they come up against the predator, there was only half of them. Um, and they were in the middle of a storm, so they were at a disadvantage. In in their initial situation, they were at more of an advantage. So I think if they were just out to kill the Predator, yeah, they probably would have lost less. I'm kind of disappointed we probably won't actually be seeing any of these guys in the film. I mean, I know it ends with, with Tomlin and uh, Hill comatose, but I really I really like the idea behind, behind the Reapers, and I really liked these particular characters. I'm kind of disappointed we probably won't be seeing them again. Yeah, we just had two characters from the movie, which are... Well, actually one, but Traeger and General Woodhurst, who uh, General Woodhurst was in the movie, but his scenes were cut. Who's who's the actor's name again? Edward James, Edward James Olmos. Yeah, that's right. And we've got Keyes as well. Don't, don't forget. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Keyes' son, Sean Keyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, they didn't really get into his character too much. There was a brief discussion about how, how his feelings were regarding... His father being taken out by the Predator, which was interesting, where he and, and Elliot kind of talk about it. Um, but yeah, his character is, is just kind of touched upon. He's hardly in the book. So that was one of the things I was I kind of wish there'd have been a lot more of in this, was though was particularly the film characters. I would have loved a lot more of Keyes. Yeah, Keyes felt a little superfluous in the book. It felt like he was in there, you know, because they could put him in there, but he didn't really seem to do much, he, you know. He seemed a little, a little pointless in the book. Because mm, they didn't. Re- he's the, um, you know, the scientist, the biologist, and he didn't. They didn't really get a chance to cut into or, you know, do too much with the predator when it had been captured. But what about Traeger and Woodhurst then? Obviously, Traeger's in the film. You know, this book is all about maneuvering him into the position that I guess he is in the in the actual film, and that's as commanding officer of, of Stargazer. So, what did we think of Traeger? Yeah, the the Traeger and the Woodhurst stuff was probably the weakest aspect of the book. It was it's basically them going to Washington to try and get funding from the powers that be to keep Stargazer going. Because obviously until this point, Stargazer has not seen a predator. And the gist is that all the the government funding is running out because they're, you know, saying, why are we giving you this money? Nothing's happening here. So now that they finally have a predator. Traeger and Woodhurst are off to Washington to grease some palms. And it was, I liked it as a concept. It just wasn't very engaging in the book. Um, as for the characters themselves, from what little I've seen of Traeger in the various trailers, I didn't really get a sense that this guy in the book was the same guy. There was little hints of it, but a lot of it, it, it he felt like a, a different, a different person. As for Woodhurst, again, he wasn't the most three-dimensional of characters in the novel. 
And I think that the main thing I can say about Woodhurst is I'm a big fan of Eddie Olmos and I'm really gutted that he's not going to be in the movie. That's fair enough. Yeah, hopefully at least his deleted scenes are included in the Blu-ray. Yeah, I'd love to see them because, as I said, I've I've been a fan of Eddie almost ever since his days of Miami Vice. So. But yeah, as far as characters in the book go, I do think Elliot was far more interesting than than Woodhurst. They just, I mean, they were friends, Woodhurst and, and Elliot, but they just didn't go into Woodhurst too much as a character. No, no, not at all. But Elliot. I loved Elliot, but before we move on to him, you know, I will just say in terms of Traeger, I could kind of see um, Sterling K. Brown, you know, playing this guy that was on the page. I also wasn't a huge fan of the politics side of this, as as realistic as I, you know, believe it, it was. You know, I can completely see that kind of mentality going off in, in governments, but I just... I'd, I don't find politics interesting in real life, and I don't find them terribly interesting in in fiction, unless it's Game of Thrones. That I, I will lap up, but it, it gave me a good handle on who I think Traeger's is going to end up being in the film. It just it it didn't grip me as much as you know the other plots in, in the actual book itself. But Elliot, Elliot, I love. There's loads to him that I really really liked. So for starters, the guy's suffering from PTSD which is something that I don't think the EU really gets into a lot or enough of. Um, it's one of the things this book does share in common with one of the recent comic series as um, Predator Hunters, because that's something that's touched on in there, and it was something that I was really glad was in here. And it, it was a big deal in this one as well. You know, he was he was fighting alcoholism, and um, smoking's not as big of a deal these days, but, you know, that was one of his vices that he was using as a coping mechanism as well. So... What did we think of, of, you know, of Elliot and his PTSD suffering? Was that something that you found appealing about about the book? Yeah, I liked I liked how he, he kind of went back there and, and the Predator kind of... Uh, he, he had questioned his own account of what happened in Vietnam because it had been so long. And when he sees it again face to face, he has a lot of just emotions of fear and revenge. And the way that's all described in his internal battles with alcohol and tobacco yeah it's it it was all uh really well done and his character was still just a likable guy and and it was cool to see that ptsd angle that's usually been more reserved for the alien franchise like we saw with uh out of the shadows yeah i suppose ripley's the only one who's ever really had it in any uh, sort of meaningful way in the alien series but it's something that i can completely see happening after any (laughs) any encounters with you know with an alien or with a predator so that's some that's that's why it's something I enjoy seeing, um, you know, dabbled with. It gives it gives a bit more weight to um, the encounters and surviving them. Kind of saw it in the games, I guess, with uh, AVP two, the the general in that one. Mm, with his obsession with um, revenge. Yep. What about you, Lee? Thoughts on PTSD? Did it work for you? Yeah, uh, I thought Elliot was probably the most interesting character in the book. As Ridge touched on earlier, I thought. The flashbacks kind of led to a bit of an anticlimax. I was I was really getting into the story of, of him and his unit being hunted in Vietnam, but then it, it kind of just ended with the predator fleeing. Like there was no real sort of build uh no real climax to that. But yeah, I like Pappy. Uh he was interesting, he was deep. Um a lot of the most interesting stuff in the book was him. You weren't keen on 
the predator being beasted enough that it it withdrew. No, not that. It's just that I was getting so into where it was going that I I think I was expecting I was expecting it to sort of build up to something, whereas it didn't. It kind of just fizzled out. Um, it was it was still one of the things I like most about the book, all the Vietnam stuff. I've I've said before that I've always thought Vietnam would be a really good setting for a a predator story. But it was just a, a lot of the early stuff in those flashbacks where, you know, members of the team are vanishing and then they're finding a while later with their skin gone, you know, their heads missing, you know, been brutalized. I thought that was much more effective than the sort of later parts of the flashback. Okay, I can't say I had any of those problems with it, to be honest. I mean, in terms of building, you know, that's I think that was the major sort of predator action until they actually captured him. So at that point, you know, they finished that off and moved on. So no, I don't think that bothered me at all. I did actually enjoy the the big conflict at the end as well. You know, it, I think it was refreshing that it was defeated without necessarily being killed, which is something I also liked about the main um, the main predator in this one as well. You know, he he didn't nuke himself, well, not for lack of trying, I guess, but you know, he. Everybody was left sort of dying in the mud, and he himself had taken that much of a beating, but he was, you know, he was determined to get back and fell on the way back, which I thought was interesting as well, and, and kind of different um, to how they normally handle it. He was trying to recover his gear, wasn't he? Because when he'd escaped, he'd left his mask and a lot of his weaponry mm. at the base, and so he was trying to get back to go and, you know, go and uh, recover all of that, or destroy it, and I think that was probably why he... Or didn't one of the characters also smash up his gauntlet with the spear? Mm-hmm. Which was probably why he couldn't blow himself up but he'd already set off the countdown by then but it seemed because it was his ship he blew up if i remember rightly well eventually his bomb went off apparently it was just it might have hinted that it was affected by it like the bomb took longer to go off or it was a smaller area of effect or something but because he drove a spear right through the wrist gauntlet while i was counting down something that i liked about uh pappy um that well, it wasn't really intentional on on jim's part but something that i really liked about him was that you know they've got this guy training the reapers who is you know struggling with his own um his own sort of thoughts and feelings and whatever after encountering the predator himself he wasn't necessarily the best guy for the job he was the only guy for the job because their book made a point of like i don't think they specifically call out names but like dutch and harrigan and other anybody who'd encountered a predator nobody else would have anything to do with stargazer it was only elliot that would so just this just this idea that he was the only person willing to do this i thought was interesting because was he necessarily the right person to do it considering his issues yeah or was he just the one desperate enough was that anything you guys picked up on at all or i mean i mean yeah it was um it it was interesting how they mentioned that that he was at there were other encounters that there were survivors, but they didn't want to work with this organization. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I just don't think it really went very far beyond just a mention or two. But, I mean, he still seemed to do his job. I mean, they mentioned that in, in the book, like he's totally capable and he's lots of experience and, and was a great soldier in the past. And so they don't see it like... His uh, his demons are crippling him, I guess, just that they're a pull on him. 
but they never mention him having any issues or anything. Well, issues that affect what he's doing, him training the guys. Even then you have like the Reapers themselves, they're aware of, they're aware enough to try and keep him like off the booze and stuff like that. And then you've got like mention of all the carry, the other people around the base that sort of like give him the side look and they're slightly scared of him kind of thing. So I think it was touched on, you know, at least a little bit. Well, yeah, I think most people looked at him because even even people who were working on the base might not have believed his account of what happened because he mentions later after the Predator is captured, they won't be laughing at him now. Hmm, I guess. But that, that was another thing. The Predator, um, kind of jumping from that, so the Predator escapes very similar fashion to how we see it escape in the trailers for the new film. Which kind of worries me because it's like, well, this is the same base. Did these guys learn anything from this predator escaping? Uh Um, And it escapes with human sabotage. Somebody, I guess one of Traeger's men, uh, releases it and slowly like puts in the numbers to the keypads so it memorizes the code. It didn't. It didn't release him. He saw what he was doing and was like, "Yeah, crack on," because the predator was clawing its way out the 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 bonds. Slowly tearing through his restraints, yeah. But, I mean, still, if he saw that happening and he didn't stop him and then he intentionally slowly put in the, the code to the door so the Predator could saw it, he was obviously aiding him escape in a in a non-conspicuous way. Uh, so, I don't know, that just seemed really weird to me. Like, it's like, what did Traeger have to gain from that? He was already, like, winning over the council with him, his funding proposals. So, it's... Well, that, that was the... F- the final sort of nail in the coffin of, of that meeting, though, was it's all part of the politicking, isn't it? And I, 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 I see where you're coming from, and it, you know that part of the story is not something that massively interested me anyway. But it all seemed to be about that final moment where Traeger was like, this project should continue, just not with the current leadership. And that was like a, you know, a bullet point on why Woodhurst wasn't suitable because the Predator escaped on his watch. That was my yeah. take on it anyway. Yeah, I guess I guess I could see that. It still feels weird, especially given some of Traeger's reactions to what happened. I don't know how genuine they were that he would like plot that all out. I don't know. And it, it wasn't really elaborated on. It was just kind of hinted at that one of his guys just just did that. And it's like, what? Like that's such a you would think they would have kept it for longer or like the the point then was to capture it with his guys cuz you know the the reapers were indisposed at that point. They were in the quarantine, which is something I actually quite liked. You know, I'm sure with 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 our sort of listener base and the Prometheus and Covenant problems, people will appreciate that the Reapers were put in quarantine after they captured it. You know, in case of any <laughs> War of the Worlds style stuff. But yeah, those guys were you know locked away, and it seemed like another play on Traeger's part to show him being the the ones worthy of it would be his men, the CIA. Um, side of the uh, of the Stargazer project, bringing the Predator back in just another show of how suitable he would be i guess expected it to be easier to capture yeah well they you know they put a tracker in it didn't they They were cheating and that was another aspect of the predator that was badass was him realizing and using it against uh against the team that came to get him yeah the the term um it's interesting seeing things from the predator's perspective as well his comments about earth and humans and stuff he mentions i think yacha is mentioned once in the book yeah, that was that was random. You know, there's like one chapter in the middle of the book where it's brought up, and that 
that was actually one of my other nitpicks was it just felt like in the middle of the book it, there'd been some notes handed over and that felt like one of them where he just sort of put it in the other bit which i it's not going to be a big deal for anybody other than me really but was um the way they referred to the cia changing you know up until that point it had been primarily been the agency and then they started calling it the company and it wasn't a big deal but it was just really noticeable to me and yeah gave me some alien flashbacks but yeah, it just felt like some notes in the middle that had been handed off and gone from there. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, company is like a traditional slang term for agency people. You know, he's here, oh, he's a company man. You know, I mean, he's in the CIA, he's a spook. But I can't say I noticed it changing as, you know, suddenly as that. I did pick up on it both being used. Agency was pretty much the first half of the book. They called it the company once. And then following that, it was just com- always the company. Like I say, it wasn't mm. a big deal. It was just something that stuck out to me, and it just annoyed me a little bit. Okay. But anyway, yeah, the Predator. So you know, we've got Yautji again. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it from that name being dropped. It didn't like it didn't go into that at all, like it it did in the Perry novels. No, which I I was actually quite thankful for because I'm not a huge fan of the Yautji culture. But the other stuff that the Predator revealed about itself was pretty interesting. I thought. You know, we've got this this whole thing about what it does for work, you know, when it's not out enjoying a nice relaxing hunt. Yeah, it's a predator scientist. Hmm. Specifically a geneticist. Yeah, that was uh, obviously it, it leads into a little nod to the upgrade predator in the film. Um, it was actually quite an interesting little line. It was uh, he or at least some predators had noticed that other predators are changing somehow. And uh, he mentions that within their society, there's a debate as to whether it's just natural mutation or whether certain elements of their society are trying to improve the race by genetically modifying them. It was never really gone into any more than that, but it was a a nice little uh, info drop. Was it really mentioned he was a predator scientist, though? I think he was just like he was thinking about different predator scientists. That's what I thought it was. I'm pretty sure it uh, it literally says that his work is researching uh, the the predator uh, DNA, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it, it specifically called out like the day job involving researching the the, the genetic anomalies that have been showing up, and you know there was there was moments where it specifically was on about him being there hunting. Um, as I guess a vacation of sorts. I did like the part where he he was captured in the facility and he had brought something up like, Oh, there's places like this on our world where, you know, the predators capture other species to study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We was talking about uh, torture chambers on the predator planet that was similar to that, that one. Yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed that. It, no, it, it was, it was nice little moments, but wasn't too in your face about everything. And that was pretty much the only sort of connection to what we know of the predator storyline from the predator the all the other connections were just in in the stargazer and traeger and geese but yeah damn that predator is kin brutal probably one of the you know most badass predators we've had for a while yeah he's a bad motherfucker ripping people apart crushing their skulls i only fought a fucking alligator as well which was cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he fights like a 12 foot alligator with his bare hands and that was pretty grisly, some of that, actually, like, where he's, like, you know, 
smashing its legs and it's trying to drag itself away and he's like no bitch you come back here and he's dragging it back over so you can fight it some more and yeah all that that was uh i mean on paper a predator fighting an alligator sounds like it could be a bit silly but it it worked quite well in the book and ended up being one of the more memorable moments mm. and you know what this book has the, the disadvantage of coming in off the back of two really amazing predator books which was the anthology and then the last full-length novel before that was South China Sea. And there's a thing in South China Sea about a... Um, I can't remember if it's a crocodile or an alligator. I'm sorry. But there's like one of those who lives on the island that that's set on. Kept going for the predator in that book. And they never actually ended up having a proper fight. So it was it was great to see it actually uh, visualised in this. And like you say, you know, James is very fucking descriptive when it comes to uh, the gore and brutality of it you know it's talking about smashing the cartilage and stuff like that and blinding the you know the croc uh, the alligator sorry so yeah really dug that so that whole end fight scene then so i know ridgetop you told me that you thought it went on a bit too yeah i think it just dragged a bit for me i I know you kind of disagreed with that but I mean, they have Traeger's guys show up, they all get wiped out, and you have the Reapers show up, and that goes on forever. And the cops, like two different groups of cops show up, and it just, like you say, Moore's very descriptive, and it just went on. It was like, must have been almost 80 pages for just this end sequence, and it was cool. Like, the setting was interesting, it was in a... A carnival in a in a rainstorm and and did that remind anybody else of Left for Dead? Oh yeah, that one level, yeah. You know the the beginning opening scene with them reminded me of Ghost Recon Wildlands as well. That's kind of what was going in my head with with them taking down the cartel group in the beginning. Predator's in that, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. That's what got us in the game a little bit. (laughs) I thought there was a lot of really nice imagery in in that as well. You know this idea of the thunderstorm going off and the predator's footfalls in the mud giving its position away and things like that i thought that was all the carnival lights as well Mm. and the and the fucking wind and everything i i I just really enjoyed it really and there's a a thunderstorm in that opening scene with the cartel camp too it seemed like this whole book there was just a thunderstorm going on like they didn't get a moment without that except for the the middle part where they capture the predator it kind of throw back to the cover Nicely, I thought actually, since it's using that old motion motion poster of the the lightning forming the predator mask. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the end sequence I thought dragged uh, a little bit, not nothing excessive, just longer. Like, and I'm sure that the characters were kind of thinking this too. Like, it was like, God, can this predator just die already? Because they kept injuring it and injuring it and injuring it. And so, I know it's it's like a predator; it's unstoppable, but. It, they injured it good like a number of times. What about you, Lee? Did you feel that way? Did it drag on too much for you, or were you digging it? No, I th- I quite enjoyed it. I, I remember feeling like the book had, I don't want to say underwhelmed on the action, but I remember feeling like it could have done more up until that point, and then you suddenly this huge battle, and, and it kind of felt like, Okay, it was saving itself for this, you know, it was building up to this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Good setting. I thought maybe that like some some of the, the four surviving Reapers that take part, like, some of them get just all fucked up and they're still going. And it, it started to get a little bit over the top with, with some of the injuries. That, 
Yeah, and the guy who gets the smart disc in the face and, and he's still alive. Like, I mean, you know, not healthy, but he's alive. And it started to get maybe a little bit too much, but on the whole, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Speaking of the smart disc then, was it me or was was the mention of both smart disc and shurikens in this? Yes, I remember yeah, both. Yeah, like it. I can't remember him using the shuriken. He uses the smart disc a lot, but I definitely remember it getting a mention. I could never. I was never sure which one was which because he talked about like bladed throwing, um, wicked bladed throwing things. And yeah, I assumed that was the shuriken. Mm, same. But he definitely the smart disc is also quite obviously described at some several voices, and that, he uses that quite a lot actually, which was which was nice to see because we've not really seen that since Predator Two. I know it's been in various games, but in terms of in you know sort of expanded universe stories, you've not really seen it. I think it shows up in a few of the comics. I think it's in Bad Blood, isn't it? More a question for Bridgetop, I guess, than, than you. <laughs> so you're asking the wrong guy. You know, not read the comics. <laughs> <laughs> in Bad Blood? Yeah, I think they use the disc in that. Yes. Yes, they do. In the comic, they do. It's Did anybody else list. notice the um, the wrist rocket as well? The Nam mm, Predator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one from Predator 2. Which was Actually, cool. Predator. Predator 2 gets hinted at a lot in this book. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, while that wasn't necessarily surprising by itself, what did surprise me is that I don't really recall the first film being referred to. No, it no was not always, really. It was always, oh, you know, this happened in Los Angeles, you know, we last saw one in Los Angeles, all this kind of stuff. But I don't recall the first movie ever getting mentioned. Which was no, they, they, yeah, they only mentioned L.A., I'm sure there's some South Af uh, South African South um, America incident mentioned, but Predator Two is definitely the the main draw, and I got so many Predator Two vibes from this. I mean, just in terms of like the story structure as well, you know, with like the the massacres of the uh, the bikers and the the drug guys, it just sort of reminded me of like the the armory killing and the penthouse killings and stuff like that. Yeah, those scenes were all really well done, like the biker club massacre and all that. Where the predator just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. I think Jim did a, such a phenomenal job of just showing how brutal this fucking uh, this predator was. Oh, it was a, immense. I do think this is quite possibly one of the most badass that they've, they've we've had in the law. You know, he gives such a punishment and he takes such a punishment before he goes down. It's a shame. It's a shame he hasn't got a nickname for the guy. Definitely up there with Ahab, as far as I'm concerned, as one of my favorites. I just have to wonder if, if any mention of the events of the book will be made in the film. Like, if they mention, well, we caught a predator before this one more, or something like that. I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah, it would it would be nice as to, like, ex- explanations as to some of the, you know, like, the, the mask that they've got is, is one of those, this guy's mask kind of thing. Yeah, it'd be nice if, even if it's just a line of dialogue, like, you know, we got this off the last one or something. I, I, like I said, I don't think there'll be anything. I wouldn't be surprised if there's no mention at all. And if there is, it will be something minor, I would have thought. I don't think we're going to see, you know, Tomlin lying there with his gut stitched back in, um, which is a shame because I'd, I'd quite like to see that. But yeah, as as Ridge touched on earlier, I think one of the things that bugged me most about this book was just how the whole plot of them capturing a predator and then it getting out seems like the exact same thing we're going to see in the movie. You know, that was probably my biggest bugbear. It doesn't seem to be the main focus of the next one, though. I mean, we're not... No, it's just it's just the fact that they got a predator, they captured it, it escaped, they get another one, and they've, you know, done nothing to try and make sure that this one got out. Mm. You know, it, it seems quite like... 
was it uh, you know to lose one might be considered misfortune but to lose two seems like carelessness as Oscar Wilde would have said I think that's just going to be a disconnect between the actual film and the ancillary material which is yeah which is a shame but by all accounts you know Jim had a pretty decent chat with Fred Decker about you know about the book so who knows how it's going to play out any differently perhaps in general though I thought that the the uh, hunters and hunted didn't seem anything really like what we were going to be getting so it didn't in my mind while i was reading it i didn't think that this would be a retread of what we knew um, i'm guessing you guys felt a little bit different then well obviously i've mostly ignored any spoilers for the film so i'm only really going on what i've seen in the trailers and as i said the only thing that really bugged me as being something i'm probably going to see again in the film is the predator escape from the base it looks a, a lot more bloody and action-packed in the movie in in the book he more or less just he has the code he more or less just gets up when no one's around and walks out but um like i said like i couldn't help but notice that that was something that i'm apparently going to see again in the movie it just seems to be to me to be the only i only sort of duplicate what that we'll be seeing between them from what i know of it anyway okay but yeah it it, it does seem like a disconnect in terms of them probably realizing they'd need better security for when they did get one of the uh one of the predators on that slab again it is it is cool that we're seeing these prequel novels more now um because we had one with covenant and then we have one with this film so you didn't like that prequel novel at all right it was just if it had come out before the film maybe i'd have liked it a bit better since it had given like like with this one i really enjoyed what we had of the film's characters with the covenant novel so i I might have liked getting a you know a handle on the characters before the film came out but this one i think as a prequel novel just seems far more entertaining you know there's a lot of world building in this that just as well as being its own entertaining predator novel um it just sets me up for you know the background of of the stargazer project in the new film i feel like i'm going into it with a with a nice uh a nice chunk of knowledge that i'm ready I'm ready yeah, for it, the new one. It was really entertaining. I'm just kind of with Lee on the sense that it feels like we'll get some of the same beats out of the movie. Like when I first started reading this, I thought that the predator we see captured in the film, like that was the one in this book, and we see how he was captured. Like so that that was kind of the prequel expectation for me was was oh it's going to tell the story of how they got the predator on this base but it's a totally different predator and so it's like okay so they do the whole thing twice and it escapes again so yeah that that for me was one of the biggest issues I would say is just that it felt like aren't we going to get these same beats from the movie so well we'll have to find out in a couple of weeks yep not long now there was actually a lot of little bits in this that I liked as well. So things like um, Elliot um, was injured by the Predator's tusks on its mandibles when he was uh, having a little scrap with that. And this, uh, the uh, one of, who was it? Who was it who had the expectation? Woodhurst, I think it was, thought that the um, invention of CDs and uh, data compression was a, as a result of uh, leaked sort of information from a predator signal that it came um, they detected in the past and MIT had um, was responsible for sort of decoding the compression and inventing CDs which I thought I thought was that gave me a little bit of a chuckle so there was quite a lot of little bits in in it that I quite liked as well stuff like that is there any sort of specific elements like that that you guys liked 
I'd completely forgotten about that CD thing. Yeah, that did that did make me smile. Yeah, I think they say like it was just a rumor and it was a suspicion of his, um, but it wasn't necessarily what actually happened. Which which is good because if they had explicitly said like that's how it happened, it would have been a little more silly, I thought. But yeah, no, I just just all in all, a solid book, a, a good read. If you're a fan, it's worth picking up and checking out, especially if you're interested in in the new film. Um, I, I'm just really curious to see how the new movie complements it. Some, uh, something I did notice actually mentioning the signal that got translated, the, uh, Reaper guy whose name I'm not going to try and remember who is into the translation. Uh, it was, uh, I got the impression he was, he was Russian, uh, which made me feel like this team had been assembled from not just American personnel, but you know, people from all around the world, which I thought was a, a nice little touch. I did get that impression. Yeah, uh, I, I think it might even explicitly be said at one point that he is Russian. You know what, I'm, I'm going to quickly Google his name. I might uh, be able to give you a page number. It's a Greek so His first name is Dimitri. Yeah, his first name is... Yeah, according to the internet, it's a Greek surname. Orologus. I mean, you have Americans with Russian names, too. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I vaguely remembered it actually saying somewhere that he was. I could just be making that up, but I, I remember thinking that and finding that quite interesting. And uh, the other thing in the book that I liked is OWLF gets a brief mention. Hmm. It very deliberately says that Stargazer is an extension of. Yeah, it used to be. It's what OWLF has become since the events of which I liked, and I was hoping that that would be the case because I didn't. Because the film, or at least, you know, the advertising for the film has made no mention of that. And I was a little bit disappointed that they had this unit that was doing this exact thing and it's been forgotten about. And now they've got a different bunch of people doing the exact same thing. So it was nice that this book connects them and points out that one has evolved into the other. Uh, They did mention that um, OWLF had better funding. So, like, the program was was much more well-funded back in the day. And I think they were saying the need for Stargazer was that since the digital age had kind of risen, they needed something a bit more inconspicuous and under the radar. It had gone from being an agency project to a joint military and CIA thing as well. So it... Yeah, it's, it's implied that... Because in, in Predator 2, it's not really said who they are. No. Uh, but the this book clarifies that Peter Keyes, Gary Boosie, was CIA. The implication being that the entire operation was a, a an agency operation, um, whereas this, as you said, is a joint venture between the military and the CIA. But totally unofficial, like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Books. yeah. But that's another thing that I like seeing crop up at the minute because that's one of the other things it shares with the book shares with hunters is this idea of specific um, organization and specific task force going out there and tracking down the predators and dealing with them and it's a reasonable fucking um sort of expectation to have as well so well, yeah um, their just their justification in the novel is that these guys are coming here and doing some really fucking horrific shit to people we need to you know be ready for this so that we can stop this if it ever you know it's, it's bad enough as it is but if it potentially becomes more of a problem you know we need something in place and that's basically their justification for the project and also the government's justification for not giving them the money because they're saying well there are no predators they haven't come back since whenever 
So yeah, that was that was a nice angle. What did you think of the of Traeger's angle of like trying to use Predator Tech for um, medical purposes and stuff like that? I thought that was a, a, an interesting little side note. I, I think that was mainly because he was looking for private sector funding and he knew that the government would not be up for sharing military or weapon secrets with private uh-huh. companies. And so he was trying to play that angle to say, oh, it's OK, we'll just share medical technology or or whatever, you know, space technology that we can find with the companies we have control over and we have checks over but the military technology will be reserved strictly for the military. But didn't you think it was cool with some of the focus being on non-military stuff that there were non-military possibilities for? Well, yeah. And again, with the, um, it's a cool angle, you know, especially just the whole idea of elements of the government in bed with private enterprise. I mean, we get that in the alien franchise too, you know, the, the massive influence of, of mega corporations and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good angle. Has anybody else got anything they want to bring up on the book then? Any other points that we haven't talked about? I can't think of anything myself. Oh, um, so they're doing a movie novelization too mm-hmm. by different author, Chris Golden and another fellow whose name I can't currently remember. So it'll be interesting to read that. And I mean, if the movie doesn't have any throwbacks to that book, maybe the novelization will. So I'll have to check that out when it comes out. So last question. Are you in, has this book put you in the mood for the film? Are you ready? I've said all along that, you know, I've avoided a lot of the stuff that has been talked about negatively, just simply because I tend to like to avoid spoilers for films. And at the end of the day, it's a Shane Black movie. I fucking love Shane Black movies. That alone had me pretty excited for this. I don't think this novel has really changed my anticipation for the movie. Um, but as I said, I was already quite looking forward to it. So, But I don't think the book has had any impact on that, as much as I enjoyed reading it. First up. Um, I mean, I, I was already pretty excited for the film, uh, so this just kind of got me a little more pumped, I guess. But again, it, it just seemed to me like there was a lot of similar beats. And so, it, it yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm no more excited than I guess I was, but it, it was a cool kind of prep thing to learn a little bit more of Project Stargazer and and get familiar with at least one or two of the characters we'll be seeing in in the film. So, yeah. I guess I'm the odd one out and that it really helped uh, put me in the mood, actually. Because for a long time, I've been, you know, swinging back and forth with what we've been learning. Not so much lately. Um, everything we've been seeing over the last month or so has, has really been amping me up. And I think just learning about the world that we're getting into with the new book is, uh, in learning everything that we're getting into with the new film, with the backstory that's been set up in this book is, has really just sort of tipped me a little bit more over the edge. So I'm I'm really, really amped for the new film right now. Uh, so if you haven't already read it, uh, it is available to buy from all your usual bookstores right now. So go read it. Tell us what you think. Uh, if you've already read it, you know, when you want to address some of the things we've spoke about in here, feel free to hit us up. Um, reply to the thread on the boards. Reply to the social posts. 
uh, drop us an email uh, podcast at avpgalaxy.net by all means uh, thank you to everybody who has been writing in really appreciated uh, hearing people's thoughts as always if you're not already familiar with the website and the community you can visit us at uh, avpgalaxy.net we're also on the socials as avpgalaxy or alien vs predator galaxy and that's uh, twitter facebook instagram uh, YouTube now as well, although we, we're still sort of amping up YouTube, we're not quite there with it yet, uh, because it takes a lot of work to get those done. Uh, Lee, where can people find Xenopedia? Yep, uh, Xenopedia is, you find us at avp.wikia.com, drop by, have a look, get involved, you're more than welcome. You'll be needing help now with the, the new novel and the new film coming out soon as well. Yes, I've uh, I've only just finished reading this book. I haven't even had a chance to write up a synopsis yet, but there will be. And of course, the new film coming out are uh, going to be lots of lots of Predator editions going on. Brilliant. Uh, well, that's everything from us. Thank you for all for listening. This has been Corporal Hicks and Rich Top. And who the fuck am I? Get into the chopper.